But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Welcome back, everybody, to the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. My name is Kyle Krieger. And this is the podcast that I do along with Wilkie V. Law III, where we help you breathe life into your craft, your classrooms, and your kids. So uh, this is another throwback to early 2020 uh, when we started recording ourselves going through what we wanted our book to become. That's going to be the same uh, title as this podcast, The ABCs of Inspired Teaching. And it's... um, it's really interesting to go back and look at what we were saying a year and a half ago and compare it to where we're at now. And it, it, it just has been such a good reminder. And we're sharing these episodes um, as we get set to have um, a new set of episodes drop in the new year. Um, new, Some new guests, some old guests, but uh, really focusing in on that breathing life into your classroom and your kids uh, is where we're gonna be. So this is uh, our discussion on the word connectivity uh, uh, it's part of the first chapter, authenticity, believability, and connectivity. Um, and we wanted to share it with you. So we hope you enjoy it. Please reach out uh, to us if you need anything at the ABCs of Inspire Teaching on Instagram. So have a great day. Enjoy the app. We've covered authenticity, A. We've covered B. And now we go to do you do you think do you still like connectivity or do we change it to connection excuse me I think we just changed it to connect when we put it in the connect to connection you just type connection in there no I'm not in there oh um do you think connection is why we get into this profession? Um, explain it. What do you mean by that? Do you think that the connection, the relationship piece, the making a difference, connecting, and having those relationships is why people get into this profession? I don't know. Um. I can definitely say that if it's not the reason you got into it, it's definitely the reason. This definitely has to be right up there at the very top as to why you stay. You know, like you, you, you feel what that is. You, you know, and the thing with me with connection is 
it was always talked about you know us connecting to our students to to do good things for them but when you are authentic and you're believable and you're built and you're connecting with kids that way there are few i mean for me professionally there's nothing that's more enjoyable than that Well, anytime you come in, uh, whenever you, whenever you come in contact and you are able to connect with authentic people, it brings a it, I don't want to go all hippie and flower child on you, but we all vibrate. And so those vibrations that we make when we come around people who are vibrating on on the same wavelength and with the same megahertz and all of that and 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 you connect with them because they're being their pure self you're being your pure self or you're in you're you're trying to get to your pure self and those vibrations become in sync and they start to connect you and you feel that we we say it all the time i just got to buy mm-hmm. you know we some people call it oh it's my gut instinct but what it is, is it's something that's disrupted in the in the vibe, or there's something that's connecting in the vibe. And I think whenever you become, whenever you come in contact with authentic people, that connection or that vibration is enhanced, which makes you want to continue to connect with them and to bring other people in. And once you start doing that, then that vibration gets stronger, not by nature that it increased, but by nature of the number of individuals that's participating in it. I thought you, no, I thought you were going to go with energy can't be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred. It's the same, but the same thing. Same principle. You know, same principle, because again, it's that we're, we're, we're passing things away from, I mean, to each other all the time, whether we know it or not. Like every time we come in contact with somebody, there's a transfer happening. Like for instance, coming into my classroom, I don't allow a a child to come in my classroom unless you greet me first. You don't have to shake my hand. You don't have to give me a pound, but you definitely have to say good morning, good afternoon. Hello. What's up? What's going on? What's up? You know, something. Mm -hmm. Because again, that's a transfer. And I want the first transfer to be positive. And if you can't do it, then we, let's have a conversation as to why you feel it's okay to walk into someone's home and not greet them. And again, a lot of times our kids don't think about it because they're so used to coming and going without that engagement. I know for a while we were guilty of that. Uh, when the veil would come in and, you know, she would go to her room and she has her own playroom upstairs where she could watch TV. So we would let her watch TV eat on a TV tray upstairs by herself and watch TV because that's what she wanted to do. <clears throat> and we would eat down here at the table and she would be up there watching TV. And <clears throat> it wasn't really my wife and I so much. It was the veil who started saying like, I want to eat down here with y'all. Can we watch something together? And so we started watching. We have now shows that we watch together as a family. 
Because again, when I know I like to be around some people, why would I want to go up here by myself? Let let me come down because again, it's like almost and, and I, we let her pick the shows because we picked one, she picked one, a series that we watch, mm-hmm. and it to me it gives an insight into gives us a look into who they are. Yep. I so agree. I mean, I think that 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 authentic connection connection makes the all makes all the difference in the world. I do want to come back to the point though that we talked about initially, I mean whatever 3 years ago when this presentation book started was kids can connect to you before they can connect to content. <clears throat> and and that was that was a part of this, right? That's where that concept came from. <clears throat> you know, a mm-hmm. student may struggle to connect with your content but you can help them connect to you and you through them and, and you we should always be the one who's helping them connect to the content but for kids who are really struggling they can get through they can get by they can be sustained by just having that connection to you during that tough time because not every kid is going to connect to the content as easily and as efficiently as you'd like them to mm-hmm. and that connection piece is what allows you to work with the kids who are struggling to make that connection. Absolutely. And I think Dr. Um, James Comer said it best that there can be no significant learning without a significant relationship. So that connection is that bridge that makes the relationship. It, it, It is what ties me to that student. It's what ties that student to me. And it gives us both safe passage. To, oh, man, it just gave me goosebumps. <sighs> that gives us both safe passage to engage one another in our authenticity. Wow. Wow. We talked before we, you know, earlier about when I was doing my conferencing with my kids. And it's amazing when you tell a kid, you watch their face when you say, right now you're performing mathematically on an eighth grade level to a kid who thought that they could not get math because they were struggling. But I say, when you when you did this assessment, the assessment says that you're performing about as well as an eighth grade should on a lot of things. that there, There's eighth grade concepts that you can digest i say so our goal as teachers me and my co-teacher is to make this type of performance your norm what can we do and you could see those kids really explode with ideas of what we can do to help work it because now i understand where i'm coming from also, the flip side is that when you have to tell the kid that you're performing on a fourth grade level and the kids make the connection that I'm in the sixth grade, but I'm on a fourth grade level. So when I ask the question, what do we need to do to get you to perform as you're performing in the classroom on these other assessments? The kid now is open and almost humbled 
So it's like that connection can come through so many different ways. It can come through success. The connection can come through failure. The connection can come through uh, the adversities that are faced outside of the home. When the kids realize that when the teachers are being transparent and say, guys, look, I, I, I'm, I'm the product of a divorced family. I dropped out of school in the sixth grade. I lost my mom to cancer. I lost my dad to heart disease. When, when you can have that and you have one, two, or three kids who are, who are in the classroom who, who now know, wow, okay, my mom just passed from cancer or my dad just died you know, a few weeks ago. Now that connection is made through adversity. So I think that what, no matter what that connection is, no matter what tool you use to make the connection, the moment that connection is made, it now builds that bridge to engage each other. And it gives us permission. It gives us both permission that, hey, yeah, you can come over here. Yeah, I, I want you over here in my space. And the student is saying, I want you in my space. Because as we intermingle, we both are going to grow. Yeah, and, and I think the important part, you know, hearkening back to authenticity and believability, because you are authentic and believable and your kids know you and know your heart and you're genuine, you can have that especially difficult conversation to tell a kid that, hey, you're performing on a fourth grade level. And they, one, trust that you're coming from a place of respect and love, mm -hmm. but two, that you're the right person to help them overcome that. Because you know there are a lot of kids who when they hear that kind of feedback, they're going to they're going to react some kind of way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there were some who I believe if I had not had the connection with that I've built, because I mean, like I said, man, I've worked hard that first yeah. semester to try to, to connect with kids. And there are some who I, I like to say that they, that they, the only love I get is the fact that they love to hate me. Um, and I don't think that's coming from a place of, well, I just hate him because I hate him. I think it's becoming, I'm frustrated with him because he's pushing me so much. I'm frustrated with him because he's always on the same thing. And that frustration is not hate. You know, that, that's not hate. That's frustration. You really enjoy it, but you don't like the fact that you're the one that's being corrected. Yeah. And oh, so um, I'm a 35 year old man that gets defensive with his best friend when he calls him out for something that simple. I have I struggle with it now. Mm -hmm. You know, my, all struggle. My, my, my the SPED coordinator came into my room and I don't care. It's still an administrator comes into my room and sits down with a pad of paper and is writing things down. I still get defensive automatically. And, you know. For me, it's like when I see that form in my mailbox, I start to brace for it because I think bad news is coming. <clears throat> I mean, and, and for a kid, you know, we talked about this when we talk about, you know, testing, the anxiety that kids go through and like what that actually feels like to them comparatively. Mm -hmm. And sitting down with you to hear how they are on this particular where they're at, it's got to be substantially worse for a kid than it is for an adult. 
mm-hmm. the fact that you're connected to them and you can you can have those conversations with them and be productive i think is huge and that was one student who i would say has been my arch nemesis <laughs> he, he 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 considers himself the 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 antithesis of me in the classroom and that's his role and he loves it but something happened when we conferenced and as we talked he um i shared with him i say you know when you started out you know you were at the sixth grade level is what the it said i said right now you're performing almost at the eighth grade level what was a scowl, you know, kind of started. And I said, I said, I see the smile. I said, that smile tells me that you're very pleased with the performance that you gave. I said, my only job that I want to do is give you that feeling every single day. And he kind of looked at me like, from that moment on, every single day he walked in my classroom, he was a different kid. And that was on Wednesday, so when Thursday, Friday, yesterday when he was leaving, he normally never speaks to me when he's leaving. Actually said, have a good, said, I said, have a good weekend. He's like, all right, you too. So again, we, we, we don't know sometimes that the connection is there. Sometimes we just don't know it. We, sometimes we, we, it's hard to see it. But if you're, if you're doing exactly what you know is best for kids, their resistance doesn't mean that the connection is not there. You know, think about breaking a horse. You can go in there with that horse, and as long as you're not trying to put a saddle on that horse, that horse will let you pet it. That horse will let you uh, walk up to it. It'll even walk up to you, eat out of your hand. But the moment you put a rope around his neck, you put a bit in his mouth, and you put a blanket over him, there's a problem now. What you're doing is you're trying to give it purpose. I'm not going to take anything from you. I want to teach you how to use all this energy, all this power, and let's repurpose it. So not only that I get benefit from it, but you get to benefit from it also. Well, and I think some of the students where the connection is the strongest is where you're going to get the most pushback because they don't know how to deal with that. Mm. It's a feeling that's not natural to them to be connected to a Mm. person. That's good. And they'll fight it. Mm-hmm. And they're oftentimes also the kid who needs the connection the most. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing when you, you know, I tell my kids all the time, you know, you were meant to be great. You were meant to be great. And a little boy told me, he said, Mr. Long, nobody, nobody's ever told me that I was meant to be great. He was like, I don't have a father in my life. He goes, so when I come in here and I listen to you, I go home and I tell my mom, this is what I would want my daddy to act like. This is what I want my this is what I want my dad to act to be. And and I and he's like, because of you, I already feel myself being better. 
man, I sat there and I told him, I said, you're going to make me cry. And he was like, nah, I cried when I told my mom. He said, I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to say it enough, but I cried when I told my mom. And I was just like, connection has to go before content. It has to precede content. You cannot push content to students before you build that connection. No matter how riggedy you think that connection is, you know, it may just be a rope bridge that you got to traverse carefully, you know, one foot at a time, one person at a time. We both can't be on it at the same time. Whatever the connection is, that has to be established first. And once that's established, then you can start figuring out how, okay, we got to sure up this connection. So every little deposit we make adds to that bridge. It gives greater access. It was make that that was just making me think back, like, and we were having a discussion at school yesterday about this project I'm gonna do next week, talking about the evolution of communication. And you know, when we talked about connection, we we started talking about you know like when the the first transcontinental wire, you know, when people were still using Morse code, that was like the strongest and fastest form of connection. Mm. You know, and with some students, that's the connection you're gonna have. Mm-hmm. You can't transit. You can't. You can't transfer really detailed message messages effectively, and you got to have someone on the other end that can translate it. You know, the kid might just hear it as clicks and beeps, mm. but eventually, you teach you teach them that language. Mm. Clicks and beats. Wow, you're speaking. You're speaking in, in man. Wow. So how many of us are hearing kids Morris code, and we're not able to dissect di, di, uh, dissect it and and understand what they're saying? I mean, you know, another analogy you could use it. You know, your kids could be in a foreign country, and they're asking you a question, and you're responding in your native tongue, which they have no. They have no, they have no concept, but steadily, steadily they pick up words steadily. They, you know, you do things like you point to something like this word is this and this word is that. And And then they make connections and then they can make connections. And then they're like, oh, wow. If I just pull out my phone and I use Google translate, we can talk. You know, they, they, they learn those steps and through but it's hard. I mean, because, you know, connection is always a two-way street. And at times we might be the person who's not hearing clear communication from the other end. I can attest to the fact that at times you can be that way or that a teacher can be that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there was a time where a vast majority of people in America could understand Morse code. Mm-hmm. And at the time when Morse code was a thing, there were people who could listen to it incredibly rapidly. There's still people now who who can just hear it and like, okay, that's saying that, that, that okay. And, and 
like I sit and I'm like, yeah, I, all I hear, like you said, it's clicks and beeps. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what it is. Like I, you know, and the, you know, and just with this chapter, that's sort of where my mind starts to go. I mean, think about the time where one computer would have taken up your whole classroom. And, and now, this phone is stronger than that entire computer. Yeah. That phone has more technological connection than the president had 20 years ago. And it's funny because when we were at NASA, at the, um, at the Kennedy Space Center, um, I, we, I was with my daughter and her friend, and we were looking at mission control uh, from from the Johnson Space Center here in Houston that they did a replica of uh, there. And I told them, I say, all this, all these weird little devices, all these things against the wall, those are computers. That's a computer. I say, and that's their screen that told them where the capsule was as it was going up and coming back. And I say, and all of that is not as strong as what you have. I say, because if you open up Google Maps, you can get, you're going to get more information, clearer definition of what they got. And they got a man on the moon. Well, you know, and the funny thing is that with my kids too, they're like, well, why aren't we just studying maps and doing that? I'm like, is that really relevant? It's kind of outdated when you could just go to your phone or ask Alexa, Alexa, what are the, the coordinates for the country of Namibia? And she could tell you exact grid coordinates where you would find that country. I mean, it's sort of like what Mr. Pruitt said, landline, you know, we're teaching Wi-Fi kids with landline strategies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, and that's, it's amazing to see today how many teachers are trying to do that still? You know, somebody made the comment the other day, told me, Mr. Law, every time I come in here, your room has changed. I say, because if I'm not being successful, if, if, if I'm not showing to be successful and I try something, I'll give it three, four weeks. But when I assess and I don't see a difference, then I reassess and I regroup. And regrouping means sometimes, okay, let's try something different. Because eventually something's going to work. And I think we finally found a system that works. And so we're going to stick this one out and we're going to ride this one out. and um, Until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. And it's different for every group of kids. Last year, I could do more project-based learning. I could do more, um, I'm not going to teach you, I'm going to allow you to teach yourself type of deal because I had ki- I had a different group of kids. This year, I came prepared to do the same thing again, and I've not been able to do it because I'm not successful with that because the, the motivation level is different. Not saying that the, not saying performance is different because the attitudes are different. You know, I think about what Principal Cassette Pefele always talks about is that it's not really always about a kid's ability and it's not about their achievement, but it's the attitude gap. What is that, as he would say, what is that youngster's 
attitude toward the learning and education. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if that was a, that's a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, what is what is what is their attitude about it? I and mean, if you can get a kid to shift their attitude about the learning. That is where the difference makes because once I see learning as a catalyst to other things, because this is a very thingy generation, they want things. Their 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 clout comes from either doing things or getting things. That's where the, everything is a it's a thingy 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 thing one thing two thing three as many things as they can get. That's how this generation works. But when you remind them that education is a catalyst that gets you greater things, but it requires you to give up some things in the front part so that you can gain more on the back, they, that does not compute. That doesn't translate easily for them. So what you have to do is you have to present them with opportunities where they can taste it in small pieces or they can see it in other people. And the moment they can do that, then what happens is, um, I call them my my my, um, my 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 Jesus teaching moments, where I teach in parables. Where when kids are doing something, instead of me talking about what they're doing, I give them a scenario. And once I give them a scenario, and they're like, "Oh no, that's wrong. That shouldn't be happening." I said, "But it's okay for you to sit in the classroom right now." and be given instruction and still not follow suit and do what's being instructed. And you kind of see them sit there like, you have a couple who will try to rebut, but when this is different because of da-da-da-da, or this is different because of da-da-da, how is the situation different? Because there's more at risk here that you're losing, but it's the same thing here. And I think giving them those 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 those, those parables, those those little stories. I mean, we we talk about all the time how storytelling is how we learn. That's how human beings came to build traditions to learn how to hunt and pass that information on to other people. So that you, I knew what, even though I was a youngster, I I didn't I didn't I couldn't go hunt. So say I'm growing up in primitive. You primitive world, I'm a youngster. They don't let me go hunt. But I know that's what they're going to do. So when they come back, they tell the story of the hunt. So even as a youngster, I'm being able to paint this picture of, of getting my weapon and going out and hunting and bringing food back to the people and the thrill of it so that when I get the opportunity to start learning how to do it, the small game hunt makes it even more exciting. So then the medium range game. Now, hey, we're going hunting mammoth. You know? <laughs> so now I'm excited. And now that sense of I know what to do based on the stories that's been told. Because I remember when grandpa said that when they heard it crackle, they all stopped. So what do I do? I stop. Not because someone taught me, but because someone told me a story. And I relate or I connect my current situation to that story that I heard and I perform accordingly. Because you you pictured yourself in that story as it was being told. Mm-hmm. Your 
your grandfather wasn't the main character you were. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's but why do we read stories? Why, why do we read stories? Why do we? Why do we? Um, not talking about just any book. We're talking about stories. Mm-hmm. Why do we watch stories come to life through sitcoms and and because it's all movies? Is because we put ourselves in. And you couldn't tell me I wasn't part of SEAL Team 6. Because I put myself there. And then I actually, in my head, said, okay, if I was there and I'm coming around that corner, uh, the first thing, I would look, you know, look, look, look down, look up. You know what I mean? Like, you you put yourself there. So if ever there was a situation, you you would automatically go back to what you've already experienced. You know, and I even had to have a conversation with kids. Your brain doesn't know the difference between real life and Fortnite. It doesn't. They were like, that don't make sense. I say, have you ever been playing Fortnite and when you jump off of something, you feel your body kind of do that? And all the boys started laughing. I say, or if you're coming around a corner and you're shooting somebody and you, while you're sitting there with the controller, you're like, or you're playing a sports game and they're going out and as, you, as you're playing, you're doing this when you're running. I say, that's your brain's automatic reaction to the stimulus that it's been given because if you were in that situation for real, that's how it would try to force your body to respond. You're redirecting that response through the controller, but your body is manifesting against the fact that you're like, because I sit here watching a football game and I'm like, mm, like get that one more yard mm-hmm. because we literally put ourselves in that story. And that's where we have to get teachers to get to in order to reach students to get to, so that students can get to that point also. Man. <sighs> I think that's, man, I think, I think chapter one's gonna be a doozy. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode, folks, of the ABCs of Inspire Teaching. If you have any questions, things we can support you with, um, ways that we can work with you, please reach out at the ABCs of Inspired Teaching on Instagram and YouTube. Find us on Facebook as at value at the value. And um, visit us. Uh, we each have a personal Instagram at it's Kyle Krieger and at its.will.law.iii on Instagram and Twitter. So reach out, connect with us. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk to you again soon.